Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. And welcome to the Two Guys at a Mic show on a beautiful Monday here, almost mid-January, fine city of Chicago. Hope you had a great weekend, sports and or otherwise. The big dog and a coach with you right up until 11 o'clock, possibly sooner than that if my voice doesn't hold on. David Olson, keep an eye on the volume controls. I'm struggling with a slight uh, cough slash voice old difficulties over the weekend. But we're glad to be back on air. Lots to talk about, including uh, four wild card football games over the weekend. Wild card uh, weekend, if you will. Saturday, a couple of games. Sunday, a couple of games. Obviously, the phenomenal ending. The best save, the best for last. Denver and Pittsburgh in the final play. We'll talk about the whole Tebow mania, which is back in action again. And we have a college football national championship game tonight. Anybody excited about that? I, uh, I can't remember. And I'm sad to say this, I can't remember a national championship college football game that I've been less excited about than uh, tonight. I'm actually, I'm thinking of going out to Maine South High School, David Olson, and watching uh, York take on Maine South in a fairly meaningless non-conference high school basketball game. And maybe catch, maybe, the second half of the uh, national championship game. I'm ashamed to admit it, but that's where my mental state is right now. Welcome, everybody. Phone lines open at 888-463-6748. When you talk mental state, very few people have a more stabilized, if not entertaining, and somewhat unpredictable mental state (laughs) than my good partner. Checking in via the telecommunicative phone lines from Aurora, Illinois. It is the big dog, Joel Radwanski. Joel, how are you? Uh, I'm doing phenomenal, and I'm going to have to completely disagree with your sentiment about tonight's game. For the football heads like me, this is a, a special day, and yeah. I can care less. I, maybe you're you're upset about the whole 9-6 rematch, but I'm going to guarantee you the score of this game is going to be in the 40s. 40 points are going to be scored tonight. Everybody's assuming this the same exact football game is going to be played. For four quarters, those teams fault each other out, and I know that Nick Saban and Miles uh, Les Miles have already said, oh, no, we're going to play close to the vest. They're lying. Watch bombs. Watch reverses. Watch trick plays. Points are going to be scored in this game. I am guaranteeing it, Coach. Yeah, you know, I hear what you're saying, and I'm glad somebody has passion. I think there's a lot more people. I hope I'm wrong, actually. Oh, hope I'm wrong. But I, I, huh? Oh, I'm sorry, Greg. Go ahead. I was going to say, I think there's a lot more people that have a little bit of my feeling than yours. And, I, and quite frankly, I was wish it was the other way around. Yeah, maybe maybe you're right. I haven't felt that because, to be honest with you, I'm I'm feeling the buildup. I'm okay. really feeling the buildup. I can't, right. I can't wait for tonight. Well, if and you're feeling the buildup, by the way, uh, second stall to the left down the hall, and we could take a break during the show. The only way that I think I'd be any more excited about this game is if Oklahoma State was playing in it. That'd be the only way yeah, I would work. And I don't, you know, you alluded to the fact, you know, I'm complaining because it was a defensive matchup last time. You know, it was a repeat. I don't think it's any of that. I haven't, I got no problem with the game. It's just, I don't have an explanation for it. It's just maybe it's too late in the season. I don't know what it is. I'm just, it's just not. There for me. I, I, I don't know. I don't know why you don't aren't excited for this game. All I know is the two best college football teams are going out there tonight, and a crystal ball is going to be sailed over it. 
and I'm going to watch every single snap of it, and I can't wait. Okay. Because right. come, come tomorrow, I'm going to realize, wow, there's no more college football for mm-hmm. for eight months. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. Be, I, I can tell you where I was at every single national championship game that has been held since Clemson well, please, uh, won the Orange Bowl back in 1982. Please don't tell us about the 2006 year because this is a family-oriented show, and I don't think that would sit well. Uh, that was absolutely phenomenal. <laughs> that was the Rose Bowl year where Vince yes. Young single-handedly beat the USC Trojans in yes. the 2006 Rose Bowl. And that I, was. If I recall, phenomenal. you were watching the game with a girl named Stephanie, I think, which. Uh, no, no, I was not. I was watching that game by myself the in my house, oh, the and memories. I had two thousand dollars on the Texas oh, Longhorns. Two thousand plus seven. Wow, plus seven. I had them as a seven-point underdog, coach. You had no idea. I was like sitting, and I was like, it was the easiest day of my freaking life. You have, Texas gets the big lead early. It was awesome. It was that was a great, great day. That was that was also the game of one of my great family life slash marital sacrifices, where it was the uh, I was we were out in California at the time. Uh-huh. Of that particular game, and I forget the details of it, but that was the day that we had to go to Disneyland and meet some friends there. Oh, but see, well, forget that. Yeah, I, I but, would look at the schedule. Like, no, the national title game is that night. It, uh, you Seriously, know, I'm not kidding. I would know a year ahead of time. I cannot do anything on that day. I was not overly upset, Big Dub, because as you know, I am a longtime uh, you know DVR guy. Taped the game. Now, you know, people were telling me there's no way. That you are going to be, you know, at Disneyland all day and not find out the score. And I, you know, I thought, you know what? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good at avoiding. I had that six cents, seven cents. Bottom line is, I taped the game. Now, keep in mind, this is not my normal TV. I'm on vacation. Um, so I taped the game and avoided. And this was the day of the national championship game, an entire day at Disneyland, and did not hear the score. Came well, home. Huh? The game didn't start until, you know, 7.30 Western, not any Pacific time. Okay. Came home late at night, tuned on the game, kids finally asleep, and I and I realized very soon that I had had the game on the local channel. There's like a local and then a national channel, whatever it was, CBS channel or Fox channel. ABC. Yes. The so they were doing the parade and everything, and it was scheduled to be the game, but then it switched over later on in the day over to the other station, which is their national station. So I then had three hours of tape of local uh, weather forecasts and cooking shows and missed so, what many people, probably one of the top five college football games of all time. Thank you very it much. Was, I, it, I, I do think it was the greatest game I've ever seen. Well, don't, don't I really it. do think it was the greatest and that day, Frank and Dean's Barber, that morning, that <laughs> Tuesday morning, we did, I basically did a two-hour show on the morning break explaining why Texas was going to beat USC. People were calling in angry at me that day. They're like, you know what you're talking about, big dog. Uh, the next day, nobody came back and was like, wow, they, you called that one. I just appreciate the reference to uh, ex-morning break co-host. I haven't thought of him in a long time. Frank Beans Barber. Yeah. Frank, Frank and Beans. Beans Barber. Tremendous individual who... Uh, Basically disappeared off the planet a couple of years ago. We don't know where he is. He's talking to somebody's wife right now. We know that. <laughs> innocently, though. Innocently. Oh, of course. Of course. Yes. 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 <laughs> 888-463-6748. Well, I'm glad I do the show here, Big Duck, because just talking to you the first couple of minutes of the show, you're uh, you're already getting me into the game a little bit. I'm already getting a little more excited, so I'm confident after 45 more, more minutes of uh, discussion and hand-holding with you that I will uh, – be tuning in for the entire game Monday night. It, this game is going to be epic on so many different levels. You're talking about LSU is trying to become 
if they win this game, you could go historically and look at them and say they are the greatest team of all time. You can argue that. They would be 14-0. Yeah. They would have eight wins over uh, over uh, top 15 teams. 15, coach. Top eight, top 15 wins. And six of them will be by at least double digits. Okay, because there's a lot. The win over Alabama the first time was three points, and I'm not assuming that they're going to win by double digits tonight. But think with them, and they beat people like 50 to 10. They were down 14 nothing to Georgia at at halftime, and they won that game 45 to 14. Wow, that team is in, they're incredible. They're, they really could be considered in the handful of the greatest mm-hmm. football teams of all time. And, like that. well, you're absolutely right about that. And correct me if I'm wrong, but at the beginning of the season, uh, you know, when you say a down year for LSU, maybe they were picked ninth or tenth or eleventh, but they were not picked. In the top five, they were not expected to be a great team this year, correct? No, no, I, I knew they would be great. Well, I'm not talking right. about everybody you. Else, huh? Oh, yeah, nobody else. At the beginning of this season, if everybody – I love talking about this, and every time we talk about the beginning of the year, Coach, we need to put a reminder in the national title game. Let's look back at the predictions at the beginning of the season. Oklahoma was unbeatable. Alabama was the other great team. It was Oklahoma versus Alabama in the national title game, and that's what, that's what everybody talked about. And then if anybody else had a chance in the SEC West, it was Arkansas. Do you remember how I was uh, popping up Arkansas at the beginning of the year, Coach? No. They ended up being a really good team. They had two losses to Alabama and LSU, and those were their only losses all year. They destroyed everybody else. Mm-hmm. At yeah, the beginning of this year, it was supposed to be Oklahoma and Alabama. LSU was picked for third place in their division consistently okay. all around yeah. uh, college football picks. That, and, again, you said third place, not in the, not in the uh, they weren't, Preseason number three in the country, they were picked for third in the SEC division. Yeah, West Division coach. It was Alabama, Arkansas, then LSU, and they and switched off. Saying, they had their LSU, quarterback. What's that? I was saying they had their quarterback suspended, and he missed a bunch of games. So you had all that yeah, going it, on. Exactly, exactly. And everybody knew LSU could have a great team and win the conference because they were still a top ten team early on. But it was like, wow, look at it. Everybody knows next year is the year for LSU because everybody they have on their team this year is a sophomore coach, besides their quarterbacks. I mean, really, the whole team comes back next season. This is LSU could be ungodly next year. If everybody comes back and they actually get a quarterback that could play the position, they could be even much better next year than they are this year. There's your feel-good thought for all the college football teams out there that will be watching. Uh, the whole team comes back. Seriously, coach. Everyone, watch the game tonight. Everybody's a sophomore. And you are correct about their sophomore. schedule, by the way. They did not do it the easy way. They played tough oh, teams no. and, for the most part, not only beat them, they, uh, they hammered them into the ground. So, you know, again, you, you look at, you know, not a lot of first team All Americans, not a lot of big marquee names, but if you forget the sexiness factor and just look at body of work, as much as I want to disagree with you, I can't. If they win tonight, they got to go down as, you know, I'm not going to say the greatest, but they're in the team picture for one of the great single seasons in college football history. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's, uh, enjoy the game tonight. And we, I would love to have the greatest college football discussion another day, but. You can't deny a 14-0 team with those numbers isn't in the handful of, in the team picture of the greatest team mm-hmm. uh, of all time. You would have to give it to them. Uh, they have consistently crushed people, you know, like week in and week out. Now they have to play a team that they've already played. If they can win this game, I think it adds to the to the aura of how great this team is. No matter how ugly the win is, no matter what it is, because this is Alabama team, I think people are forgetting how good they are. 
this year, in this game, there will be 23, according to Todd Mache and, and Mel Kuyper, both of them agreed on this number, there will be 23 players drafted this draft. Not overall, not saying that there's 23 players in the NFL on both of the rosters. This season, 23 players will be drafted, and supposedly 15 are from Alabama in this year's draft. Seriously? Isn't it amazing? <laughs> Last year in the Auburn-Oregon game, there were four players drafted. Mm-hmm. Think about that, Coach. There's a lot of talent on the football field. That's why it is going to be an epic matchup. Does that mean Mel Kuyper will be somewhere in the stadium? Um, Pat McShay and Mel Kuyper, I think, are contractually obligated to be at every single ABC big football event so they can pick out two or three players, talk about them, and then coincidentally that game is televised the next day. Uh, so you don't know how they do that yet on ESPN. Can you imagine the guy getting the seat behind Mel Kuyper? You couldn't Ooh. see it. Hey, put down your hair, man. Hey, I'm not wearing six, a hat. Huh? He's 6'6 six, six plus the hair. It's, it's, it's That's what I'm talking about. Coach. I was like, come on, man, find another seat, will you? <laughs> Obstructed view. Obstructed view. All right, so we got that going on tonight, national championship. Now, we've seen FBS games and FCS games. And yesterday, uh, we got to mention our Northern Illinois Huskies. They won whatever the heck bowl get was game that was. What was it in? It was in uh, was Mobile, Alabama. Bowl. The who? That was the GoDaddy.com bowl. Uh, GoDaddy. I, I saw every single orifice of uh, Danica Patrick during the commercials yesterday. <laughs> Congratulations to our Northern Illinois Huskies. They win nine consecutive games to finish the season. But is it safe to say, Big Door, or would I be incorrect after tonight, the collegiate football season? Finally, when I, I, I'm not, you know, I love college football. But is it finally, finally over, or is there... So the tick- all we have after tonight is uh, the only thing left for college football the rest of the year is the senior bowls. Ah, that's right. And and then the announcements of who's staying and who's going. Uh, you know what, what about what about the East West Shrine game? That's what I'm talking about. The senior bowls and the oh, that's the same thing that we have left. All right, David Olson is uh, I think tomorrow going to put together some of the highlights of previous East West Shrine games and uh, we'll play them from 10:01 to 10:02 on tomorrow's show. I, I, you know, the NFL Network covers all those games. Yeah. And your guy, Mike Mayock. <laughs> Mike I love Mayock that guy. Turns, he, he turns the East-West Shrine game <laughs> into, like, a battle of wills amongst. Like, it isn't just the guy, you know, enjoying his last game as a senior in college and going to an all-star game. Yeah. It's this guy's job interview for the, the next career in his life, if he even has a chance at that career. It's awesome, <laughs> Coach, how intense that Mike Mayock. Every single step you make on the practice field, is, it's either good or bad to Mike Mayock. You're talking about the Mike Mayhat, who is the color announcer for Notre Dame football, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, he's and, solid. He's uh, and NFL Network, yeah. and he did the first game on Saturday. That guy is the best color yes, analyst in all of football, period. There's yep. nobody better than him. Yeah, and he's just come on the uh, come on the scene the last couple of years, but he is very, very good at it. Agree with you. Speaking of the pro football games, we got to get to that. Again, our phone lines are open if you want to talk any of the football that happened over the weekend, or if somebody out there can tell me they're excited about the college football game tonight beside the big dog, feel free to check in, 888-463-6748. It was wild card weekend, big dog. I know you are in a deeply committed and still fairly young and fresh relationship, but I'm hoping that you took a couple of days off from the dating scene and were able, as a true professional on Sports Talk Radio, to watch all four wild card games. Uh, coach, uh, Friday night I went to another uh, Korean barbecue place. <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh my! Okay. 
I got to tell you, those, I, I'm hooked now. So this, this is actually a Korean barbecue place that was actually owned by Koreans and not Japanese this time. Uh-huh. <laughs> so we didn't insult anyone at this particular meal. Okay. But I, I took care of all that stuff on Friday night. Ah. And then Saturday was, I watched every single snap of all four football games this mm-hmm. weekend. Plus a little college football, I just didn't realize I missed the, the Cotton Bowl this week, Kansas State versus uh, uh, Arkansas. Missed that somehow. Yeah. And that was a victory for Arkansas, right? Yeah, I just found that out last night at, at mm-hmm. midnight. I'm like, oh, I forgot that yep. I didn't watch one of the major bowl games. I was, yeah. I was really disappointed. Yeah, I think it was a 29-16 victory for Arkansas. Uh, all right, well, let's let, let's start at the very beginning. A very good place to start. Uh Apologies to Julie Andrews, by the way. Let's start from uh, Saturday's game at 3.30. Big Dog, not exactly a marquee matchup, but uh, the Houston Texans easily, easily winning their ball game. And, again, it was a team, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, playing their first playoff game ever, and they passed the test with a uh, in shining armor. Coach, every single one of the playoff games had an edge to it, a, a sense of finality, and and also a sense of, hey, this team can get hot, and win a game, beat the Packers, beat the Patriots, and, and go to the Super Bowl and win it. Except for the, the Texans-Bengals game. That felt like the GoDaddy.com bowl. Okay? <laughs> no, no knock on these teams. Because yep. the other 11 playoff games are going to be ridiculously intense. There was something missing in that game. I was watching that game and being like, this is not the game I'd want to introduce Lily Lilac to, to playoff mm-hmm. football. Okay? Because I, I watched it was like, this is not that intense of a football game. I am not kidding you, Coach. Nobody was making plays. People going offside, fumbling, blah, blah, blah. And then the greatest football play, possibly, it's definitely one of the top ten playoff plays I have ever seen happen. J.J. Watt catches the ball ten feet away from Andre Dalton, Andy Dalton, who is throwing a rocket pass. The former tight end, who is now a great defensive lineman from out of Wisconsin for the Texans, catches that ball, returns for a touchdown. They're talking about saving a first half. I was like, this is one of the worst first halves I've ever seen a playoff football, and it's 10 to 10. So, yeah, I mean, that was the single biggest play in the game. I'm a little surprised you you thought it was that great of a play. I don't. Oh, you know, coach, tr- did you, have you watched it? I was I, watching I, I, it. Let me stand ten feet away from you and have you know the ball's coming and have me throw it as hard as I possibly can to see if you'd catch it. Yeah. Okay, let alone put on pillows on your hands, not know the ball's coming. Okay, and have Andy Dalton throw it as opposed to Joel Redwanski. Yeah. I can't. That play was incredible. In deference to your football acumen, I will watch that play again. I'm just telling you that uh, and instincts on watching it live the first time in the replays, it was obviously the big play of the game, turnaround time. It came at a critical moment, but I don't recall it being that phenomenal of a well, play. Well, you know, it wasn't a tip, Coach. The guy caught okay. a, a defensive lineman, intercepted a ball. <laughs> so, you know, it wasn't like a tip, lucky catch. I, I was just – the guy was a former tight end, so when you see him catch the ball – Obviously, I'm not kidding you. He had more fundamentally sound hands in the way he put his hands up and had the ball land mm-hmm. like a pillow in his hands than Johnny Knox, a professional wide receiver, does. I'm Take not saying Johnny Knox has a lot to worry about getting his back healthy, but it's like legitimately, you can tell the guy has caught footballs for a living at one point. Mm-hmm. Speaking of great hands, by the way, and before we move on to game number two, it was good to see one of the best receivers that we've ever. Had the pleasure of watching back in action for the Houston Texans, Andre Johnson, and uh, he returned in style. Big Dog made some big plays, a couple of touchdown catches. Uh, made some big plays and looked really, really good. Did, did you happen to see his first catch of the day? It was early on on the second drive, Coach. 
and T.J. Yates a play-action pass, and Andre Johnson runs the dig, and he sits down during the dig in between the linebackers. Perfect pass. Andre Johnson jumps up, has it hit him in the stomach, and wraps it around himself and falls down. The guy hadn't played in six weeks. So even one of the greatest receivers of all time, he hasn't played in six weeks. You throw him out on the field, and even at first, those guys could be tentative and lack confidence. Mm-hmm. I mean, when he caught that ball, I'm like, he looked like I would look if I played in the NFL. Like, he looked bad on his first catch. And then after that, he got his feet wet, and you're exactly right, Coach. He started dominating. It was, it was, it was kind of, yeah. He looked like a high schooler on his first catch. Houston breaks open a close game and uh, runs away with a 31-10 to over Cincinnati. They move on. That was game one of the day, Saturday night, Big Dog. Saturday night, as you passed up some quality potential social engagements, you were uh, privy to a pretty good pro football game, too. Detroit Lions, the New Orleans Saints, and Drew Brees proved once again his superiority. Uh, David Olson even made the comment that he took it a step up from what we saw in the regular season. And like At first, I'm like, yeah, yeah, and then I'm thinking, wait a minute, a step up. From the regular season, the regular season, he threw for more yards than any quarterback in the history of the NFL, but he was spectacular. The Saints' offense was unbelievable, especially in the second half. Yeah, let's. Uh, Drew Brees is getting all the praise, and I want to tell you, if there's any quarterback I'd want to play with in the NFL, it's him. I just love his attitude. I love his style. I love his take charge. Uh, he's positive, and he takes charge. It's, it's, it's hard to walk that fine line, and he does that. Let's give a tip of the hat to two things. One is the, the New Orleans offensive line, who kept yep. Drew clean all day. I mean, that, their, their offensive line is so good right now. It's just phenomenal. And the other thing is this. Sean Payton, the way he... Um, the way, he's a master at putting new personnel on the field on every play, and it's totally different than the previous personnel. And then his play calling is just so good. So Drew Brees is at the top of the quarterback uh, chain right now in terms of him and Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. But let's face it, he's got the best offensive line and the best play calling going on right now in, in, the, in the game with them also. Well, so I think the same uh, kind of going on down there, Coach. Oh, they do indeed. And, and I appreciate you uh, tipping us off as – less savvy pro football fans than yourself to watch the New Orleans offensive line. I did watch that courtesy of your uh, your little lead after Friday's show. Boy, they were good. They did protect extremely well. But I, I would put Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers right now a notch above. Right now, a yeah. notch above. I think Tom Brady's still a phenomenal quarterback, but Brees and Rodgers are playing at a level that's just, just you know, uh, in, in the years I've watched football, I don't know that I've seen two quarterbacks have better seasons from start to finish. Absolutely amazing. Here's, and don't forget, too, uh, Detroit was winning at yeah. halftime. 14 yeah, they were, they were to 10. And, and then the Saints didn't panic. They came out in the second half. They ran a couple plays up the middle with Pierre Thomas, off them up, and then boom, throw the play action pass for a touchdown. That was awesome. And it, down. it doesn't mean you have to start chucking it. Stick with your game plan. Awesome. And if you're and the, the way, uh, if you're the Detroit defensive backs coach, you definitely want to drill the boys next year on uh, uh, you know quarterback throws and catching bad passes because they had two, three, maybe as many four opportunities to pick off passes and they all went through the hands. Detroit actually could have made a game of it, maybe have won the game if their defensive backs would have uh, taken some interceptions that were there for the taking. Yeah, you're exactly right. So you know we're talking about how great Drew Reese was. And how great, I was talking about how great the offensive line was. There was a play where, uh, the left tackle got beat like a rutted mule. Breeze had to get rid of the ball early, got hit in the chest. The ball goes up in the air. <laughs> Marion Barry of the, of the Lions is right underneath it and he dropped it. And oh, guess what happened on the next play, coach? The same scored a touchdown. Yep. 
That was pretty big. Yep, yep. Pretty yep. big drop by Marion Barry right well, there. Well, and the announcers even made it. They made the call at the time. If you're going to beat New Orleans, you have to take those opportunities. You can't let them literally and figuratively slip through your hands. Yeah. And, by the yeah. way, I used to play on a softball team that was called the Rented Mules. That's my bad. Yeah, they not were bad. good. Yeah, we were pretty good. Now, uh, you, you don't have to play perfect. That's the thing. Oh, you're going to play a perfect game to beat the Saints or beat the Packers. Oh, that's not true. You don't have to play perfect, but you have to take advantage of the laydown. You know, when you get a gimme layup, you got to make it, okay? It's as simple as that. When you have a Drew Brees pass that is fluttering up in the air, you know, you don't sit there and try to catch it in your stomach. You go run after it, you jump up, and you grab it with your hands, and you're the one who goes and gets it. But, mm-hmm. no, the, the Lions would rather just wait for the ball to come down to them and and not be an athlete. By the way, Coach, I'm glad all that stuff happened because uh, there was a predicted score by the big dog. I believe it was 45-28, uh, the New Orleans Saints. Final score of the game, 45-28. Yeah, by the way, the big dog on Beat the Schmoes, our award-winning pro football um, or football prediction game we play each and every Friday here on Football Fridays. The dog, you went 2-1. and one. David Olson and myself, both a uh, less than mediocre 1-2. and two. So you have continued your streak. And um, let's see. Well, you had an 0-3 the week before. Yes, but oh, before that, I had a nice run. Three, a nice, a phenomenal run against the point spread. You had seven consecutive winning weeks. That's that's a little bit more nice. Uh, I appreciate it. Coach. So you're you're in bounce back mode. And uh, emailer Kevin Swamprat also went two and one, picking all the college football games, including Northern Illinois. He's hotter than a pistol as well. But nicely done on beat the schmoes. I had Detroit over New Orleans. That didn't work out too well. Atlanta over New York. That was a negative. I did have Denver's upset over Pittsburgh. David Olson nailed the uh, Houston game over Cincinnati. At any rate, uh, Big Dog, you go to sleep Saturday night. A happy man. A couple of quality football games. Hopefully you're able to sleep in Sunday morning, get your beauty rest, wake up, get a little breakfast in time for a 12 o'clock tip-off, what we thought. Emphasis on thought was going to be a great football game, an even matchup, three-point spread for the home team, the Giants and the Atlanta Falcons. Unless my eyes deceived me, the final score was 24-2. to What the hell happened to the Falcon offense? The the, oh, the Falcon offense was totally unimaginative is, is the best way for me to, to say it. Uh, that's, the play calling was horrendous. And if it's fourth and inches and you keep going for it up the middle the whole year long, Eventually, people are going to snuff that out. Uh, Atlanta went for it on fourth and inches twice during the game, and they got they got stuffed both times. And that was early on in the game when they really needed points on the board. I don't. I'm not going to say that was the difference because the Giants' defensive line completely dominated the Atlanta Falcons' uh, offensive line. The Packers, which are having issues with their offensive line right now, have their hands completely full with the Giants. Yep. The Giants are going to be like, what, what do you think, 10, 14-point underdogs? Right now, it's, right now it's right now it's 9.5. I don't think it'll go any higher than that. It, it should not. It definitely should not because the Packers have all types of injuries on their offensive line. The Giants' D-line looked great yesterday. Who okay, is the, is, uh, who's the dude they got all pro at defensive end? Juan Pierre-Paul Pierce. John Pierre-Paul, uh, the kid from South Florida. Woo, he's pretty good. And, by the way, his shoulder pads are the size of a eighth grade year old kicker's shoulder pads. <laughs> his shoulders come out, and he doesn't even care. He's slamming into people with bare shoulders on a football field. And then, and we figured all the guys in the house just said we figured that his 
his shoulders were actually harder than the shell of the shoulder pads anyway, so it didn't really matter. <laughs> it's, that dude is a freak. He, I, I had no idea. I knew him, uh, you know, at, when he was at, uh, you know, coming out of, what it was actually Georgia Tech, excuse me, not South Florida. I didn't know he was going to be like this, Coach. See, oh second-year guy, third-year, how many? Second-year. Second-year second year. guy, first-round pick. So. Second-year, boy. That's, what, that's what the Giants do. They pick defensive linemen. Every single year, and every time they pick a defensive lineman, the guy ends up being great, and that's how they win. Seems like the D lineman. It's almost like you know uh, these basketball players that come into the NBA, you know, of late, and, and you know, they play one year of college basketball, one year, and they come into the NBA and they're pretty good right away. It's almost getting that way. It seems position specific with defensive linemen, guys like the Damakon Sue and uh, Vaughn Miller from Denver is a rookie, right? It's really, really simple, and and I'll I'll explain this to you, Coach, and I don't want to get too football uh, technical with you, but when I hear people say, oh, when the Bears traded for games, Adam, rest his soul, rest his soul, okay? People are like, how is he going to learn the Bears' defense? People, in every single defensive scheme ever in the history of football, the defensive lineman never has had to think one time, and how they are told in the huddle to align is their technique, and that's exactly what they do on every play. So if there's an if a running back knows who to block in pass protection, and defensive linemen are smart enough to just listen in the huddle, those are the easiest positions to pick up in, in football. That's why you get great uh, rookie defensive linemen. Like remember Javon Curse coach his rookie. Remember Mark yep. Anderson of the Bears. These yep. rookies they come out because you don't have to know anything. Oh, we're in the twenty three. That means I'm on the weak side, and if I'm a defensive end, I would be in the seven, and I just when I'm in the seven, I have contained. That's all. It's as simple as that. Oh, I'll be in the nine in this defense, and that's and they just align that way, and whatever they're aligning, they have certain responsibilities, and that's all they need to know. In the NFL, that's about as simple as it gets. The inside look, football analysis. Other shows have analysis. We have a now. Yes, I know. From the big dog, Joel Radwanski here. You want to check in? You watch the games over the weekend? You want to comment on them? Love to hear from you. 888-463-6748. The phone number, the big dog, the coach, producer extraordinaire, David Olson with you all week long talking to sports and more here on the two guys at a mic show. Uh, wild card weekend. We're on game three right now. The Giants win it handily 24 to two. This is a team, Big Dog, that played pretty good early. Then they had a miserable slump. Everybody wrote them off. Now, yeah. all of a sudden, you know, they knock off the Jets. They have a big win to end the season. They look really good beating Atlanta. The Green Bay Packer fans listening to this show. How worried do they need to be? Uh, the Giants hit their peak, or is this a team that, uh, looks, as of late anyways, very, very dangerous? They, they, if you're a Pittsburgh, a Green, Bay, Green Bay Packer fan, you should be extremely worried because, you know, you, don't, you they don't have to be better than the Packers all week, Coach. They only have to be better for them during 60 minutes of football play. You know what I mean? And sometimes that's a small enough of a sample amount for a team that's not as good as another one to sneak out a victory. And considering the Giants' strength, their defensive line, happens to be going up against Green Bay Packers' biggest weakness, which is their offensive yeah. line, that makes you worry, okay? And and we, I'm, I think we'll all agree right now. Aaron Rodgers is playing better quarterback than Eli Manning, but Eli Manning can put points on the board, okay? And all of a sudden, you got a, uh, an offense that can start matching you with uh, weapons like uh, Hakeem Nicks as a second receiver, Mario Manningham as a third receiver, Jake Ballard as your tight end, and all of a sudden, these old running backs 
that were good five years ago all of a sudden are, are, are that were horrible all season, like Brandon Jacobs and Ahmad Bradshaw, all of a sudden good uh, in the last two or three weeks of the season. The Packers should be extremely worried, extremely coach. On the other and hand, I'm, just I'm a Bears fan. I'm, I'm being honest with you. This is a really, really rough matchup for the Packers. Yeah, and, and never underplay momentum in, in the New York. You know, I know in pro football and pro sports, maybe that's a little bit overrated, but they are a hot team. Play with nothing to lose. The Packers trying to defend their championship, although their coaches have made a point of saying, "Hey, we're not defending. We're going out and trying to win another." But for our Green Bay fans out there, the one optimistic thing that they might look at, and we do have one listener. Uh, Big John, who checks in, a regular Green Bay Packer fan, and he might be a little concerned with your thoughts, Big Dog. But correct me if I'm wrong, the weakness, the weakness of the New York Giants is a fairly average at best defensive backfield. And lest we forget, it's Aaron Rodgers and that wide receiver crew throwing the ball. So if they do get protection, the Packers are going to be okay. Oh, no, no. You're 100% right about that because uh... – you're talking about the New York Giants have had, they've been decimated in the, their defensive backfield yeah. all year long. And Aaron Ross, uh, up, their best defensive corner is, uh, got hurt, got a concussion in yesterday's game. So if he can't play against the Packers, an already decimated secondary has even less players in it. And, and, and you're exactly right. You get the, then all of a sudden that, you know, mm-hmm. that's an edge towards the Packers. Our inside sources are telling us that Mike McCarthy, the outstanding Green Bay Packer head coach, and keep in mind our inside sources have not had their uh, 2012 New Year's drug testing yet, but they're telling us the Packers, if they're starting tackled, Brian Balaga and the other guy who is known as the other Chad guy. Clifton. Nobody knows his name. He's just the other guy. Chad but the, Clifton. Who? Chad Clifton's been in the NFL now for about 14 Chad years. Chad Clifton. He's still playing. Chad well, Clifton not anymore, because he's hurt. Chad nope. Clifton Jr. or the original Chad Clifton? Because that the guy original, was the one that the Warren the one that Warren Sapp watched launched. Don't start me on and that then, play. Uh, Mike Schirmer got upset that uh, Warren Sapp kept playing football that day. So did I. Don't start me on that play because that'll you and me will be talking about that right through the end of the show. But here's what our inside sources are: t- if the two tackles can't play, they're going to start. You ready for this? this? Is some creative thinking here? They're going to start Matt Flynn at quarterback. And just to check and see what the protection is like. If we're going to get a quarterback hammered in the first quarter, it's going to be Matt Flynn, not Aaron Rodgers. They're going to see what the protection is like. If they like what they see after the first couple of series, Aaron Rodgers comes in. Again, these are our inside sources telling us this. If if they see the Packer offensive line getting demolished, it's going to be Flynn taking the hits. They can then make the adjustments and then bring Aaron Rodgers in. Brilliant thinking from either A, the Packers, or B, our inside sources, Big Dumb. Uh, your inside sources have spent way too much time inside the Alhambra hookah bar. <laughs> Don't knock that place, by the way. Good. That, that place is so overrated. A good time can be had by all. That place is horrible, actually. It's, it's not bad. It's not bad. The $25 cover charges a little bit, but... All right, so you don't like that theory, huh? No, I, I don't think anybody on the planet likes that theory, except for the New York Giants, by the way. All right. Just for a series or two, just to see what see what's, you know... What if, if your offensive line's completely getting beaten? Now, instead of Aaron Rodgers getting knocked out of the game in the first series, it's going to be Matt Flint. You know, it, it, it's funny that you say that because, like, and, all these years I've been begging uh, our teams to play backups when games are in hand yeah. for a lot of different reasons, to avoid injuries, mm-hmm. to, 
Well, I've never even thought about playing him before the game even starts to avoid injury. Why well, did he even put Derrick Rose ever on the court again? <laughs> he might get hurt, Coach. Stop it. Seriously, I don't think we should ever Stop put him on the court Stop it. That's not a fair comparison. And may I remind you, Buffalo Breath Boy over there, may I remind you that Matt Flynn started their last regular season game at all. He threw for six. Six touchdown passes. So we're not talking about putting mincemeat out of quarterback. We're talking about the great Matt Flynn. So you're talking about benching Aaron Rodgers for Matt Flynn. Not benching. I'm confused now. Now you have me totally baffled by so, what's going on. <laughs> At first I thought it was to protect Aaron Rodgers. Spen- now it's because Matt Flynn is so good. No, I don't know. I'm just explaining part of the theory is it's not like we're just throwing away the first two. Sir, believe me, a couple of visits to the uh, that bar you were talking about, and you'll this will all make perfect sense. But... Uh, and we're not just throwing away the first couple of series. You're putting out a guy out there as a backup who can be pretty good. At any well, rate, uh, th- that's our inside sources, and you're right. They uh, they could be completely way over the top. Theory is a word that means the or why. <laughs> that's all. That's all That's all. Yeah. theory does. It, it, it tries to explain stuff, but it really can't give an answer, could it, Coach? No. And remember, the difference between a champ and a chump is, is you. you. Thank you very much. All right, uh, final game of the day. Big Dog, hopefully you didn't go to sleep. Hopefully you didn't turn off the action. I tuned in for this game almost from start to finish. Denver and Pittsburgh, the big upset, phenomenal game. Steelers made a great comeback. But, uh, of course, the first play in overtime, that we've seen the replay of that about 65 times right now. And I'm personally looking forward to sit number 66. But Denver wins over Pittsburgh, huge upset. And Tebow Mania, Big Dog, Tebow Mania, after taking a three-way hiatus, is back in full action. Unbelievable. The guy just has a sense of right when you count him out is when the time that you should be counting him in. It, it, he is truly having one of the most magical seasons in the history of American sports. I, I can't talk about any mm-hmm. other countries, but what this guy has done this year and how he's done it makes no sense whatsoever. Yet it's a story that everybody seems to be grasping onto and everybody loves to talk but- about it, whether it's to rip the kid or praise the kid. But this one was a little little bit different. Correct me if I'm wrong. This one felt different in that it was not the dink and dunk, let's pull it out in the fourth quarter, Tim Tebow, but offensive no. coordinator Mike McCoy. I don't know if they met during the week and they said, hey, we lost three in a row, let's throw caution to the win. This one was different. They let Tim Tebow air it out. He didn't complete a lot of passes, big dog, but the ones he did, big plays down the field, and I don't think the Steelers were prepared for that kind of attack. You know, he was 10 of 21, and, and you know, this, that was actually my type of offense coach. I'm not just saying it because they won. It's easy to say that. But to, to be honest, my whole life, I always loved teams that throw the ball down the field. Well, you know what? Run it for first down and throw it for touchdowns. And that, that's kind of like the, the Broncos' new philosophy. And it seems to be working for them. Like, who cares if your quarterback goes 10 out of 21 if he's averaging 31.6 a completion? That, that, that's and the, the Steelers are completely to blame for it. I can't tell you how many times they put their safeties completely out of position, and then uh, the Broncos are completing deep passes down the field. You got Ryan Clark out because of the sickle cell trait. You got a backup safety who played actually pretty good football yesterday. Okay, you can't, but still, you can't expect this guy to be freaking Ryan Clark and be Superman and cover the whole field. And they really did a bad job. I, I would have to say I know you, you got to give Tebow his credit and all that other stuff, and the Broncos are credit. I saw that almost as a game that the Pittsburgh Steelers gave to the Denver Broncos mm-hmm. yesterday, 
And, and I'd hate to take temper all the excitement in Denver because you made your plays. You made them. You made, but, oh, my goodness, you go to zero coverage every down? You can't go every down in the NFL to zero coverage, Coach, having, not having a free safety in the middle of the field. If you want to do it to test teams and say, hey, we dare you to throw, that's cool. If you do it every down, and especially in overtime, you're going to get burned. And look at that first play in overtime. The first thing they do is go to the skinny post because they know one thing. There will be no help in the center of the field. And they've already given up at this point three completions for 125 yards to the kid that caught that pass. Demarius Thomas is the name mm-hmm. of that kid. 80-yard touchdown pass, first play of overtime, and the celebration of the Denver Bronco fans was unbelievable. They say the stadium literally moved. Uh, and then you got to watch Tebow and, you know, celebrate with his teammates. It was a great, great moment. Big Don Demarius Thomas, number 88, had a huge game. Nice little uh, uh, stiff arm, too, because he would have been tackled oh, that, after yeah. about 10, 12-yard game. But that was a big-time stiff arm he gave the safety. So Absolutely. That was um, He did that to Ike Taylor, who was the corner that was covering him on that play. And, you know, Ike Taylor couldn't even speak after the game. It was shaking. Okay, had to be consoled by teammates. I Taylor, you you have been a Pro Bowl player for years. You have been really, really good. It wasn't your fault that you were left out on an island with a, an NFL wide receiver consistently every single play of the game, and the Broncos started taking advantage of it. You know, the guys distraught. Talk about I lost the game for you guys. The, the coaching staff of the Pittsburgh Steelers lost the game for the Matt Ike Taylor. By the way, the, the okay. uh, defensive coaches that you're firing on are headed by, correct me if I'm not wrong, but the Hall of Fame longtime defensive coordinator, 74-year-old Dick LeBeau, Pittsburgh's D coordinator, correct? Coach, I'm so glad you brought that up. Uh-oh. Yes, even Dick LeBeau, the master. And Dick LeBeau, I mean, he, he knows a trillion times more about football than I do. Okay? But even Dick LeBeau will probably have to look into heat. Yeah, we messed up. We were way too aggressive yesterday, way overly aggressive, and we got burnt because of it. If you didn't agree with that, then he's probably done with coaching because he has it. Just mind-boggling, the defensive calls that they had going on yesterday. Anybody caught up in the Tim Tebow mania, the phenomenal end of that game? Not just the end, the entire game, very, very entertaining. Phone lines open, talk with the big dog, and the coach, user-friendly. Sports Talk Radio, 888-463-6747. 48, Big Dog, I was pleased. I was rooting for Denver anyways, but very happy that they scored on the first play because, you know, broken record here. I taped the game, but did not tape it long enough. You know how you can see the little mark on the tape machine? Well, as we're heading into overtime, let's just say there was not a lot of time left, and I'm talking to my son. I'm thinking, oh, son of a gun. You know, I was really into the game. Not going to be, we're not going to, you know, it's going to run out right in the middle of overtime. This is going to be so frustrating. So I was all worried about that. And then, of course, the 80-yard touchdown on the first play ended that. So, um, yeah, And especially with the new rules of overtime, you're not really expecting a quick overtime. Right. You know, so you would expect a longer overtime. And and to be honest with you, the way those teams had performed in the second half, especially the Broncos getting the ball first, you didn't, I didn't expect a touchdown. No. Okay. And I just have learned with Tim Tebow, if you don't expect it, that's what you should expect. Now, some people are still bothered, and I, I think I still would like to see the rule tweaked. It's improved. We're talking about the overtime rule in the National Football League. You know, and again, it was a touchdown, but bottom line is Denver wins the coin flip. They score a touchdown, and the other team, in this case the Pittsburgh Steelers, gets no chance to respond. Uh, your feelings on the current NFL playoff overtime rule? 
I think it's so much better than the old one, and I, I like the way it is right now. I have no problem with it. Uh, the way I look at it is this. It's a touch. I understand. It's old. When it was just a field goal, it would drive me crazy. But if I lost because my team gave up a touchdown on the first drive, I, mm-hmm. I can live with that. See, I don't I'm like, guys, you got to stop somebody. You I know don't what know I mean? that I, I, you know, if it was my Chicago Bears, I could live with it. But I think sense of fairness still would bother me a little bit. Let me let me paint a different picture. Let me let me say it's your Bears. They lose the coin flip, okay, and make a couple of nice stops on defense. Third down, they throw it, you know, thirty yards down the field. Questionable pass interference penalty. Uh-huh. Questionable. So now you know the ball's on the twenty-five yard line, and you know one run by the running back picks up seven or eight yards. Pass into the end zone. Touchdown. Game over your season is over all you've worked for and you don't get a chance to respond a big part of that a questionable interference call would that change your feeling yeah that that was i'm not kidding before you even said it the only thing i was like yeah i know you can get burned by a a questionable pass interference call i was actually going to say that to you coach that doesn't bother me so much i can deal with that you can can. see i don't think i i I, in a sporting sense anyways i still converted a touchdown okay it seems they still converted the touchdown. Well, they still put the ball in the end zone. Yeah, but isn't the NFL rule, let's say you're on the 35-yard line, you throw the ball in the end zone, penalty in the end zone, don't they put the ball at the one? Don't commit pass interference penalty. All right, so now you got a questionable pass interference call in the end zone. You know, a lot of people think I'm just, you know, say a lot of people thought it was a bad call, questionable, but the referee makes the call, put the ball in the one-yard line, game over, no chance to respond. I, think, I yeah. still think it's a problem in the NFL. Okay. Yeah, well. But it is better. I, I have no problem in the playoffs adding, uh, uh, it, just as long as everybody had the equal amount of possessions, I have no problem with that. Oh. I have none. Okay. Well, but now you're, you're now you're, you're, no, no, I'm you're contradicting. I, I don't have a problem with it if you want to add it to it, but the way they have it now is still good enough for me. I, okay. I really do think it's good enough for me. Well, it's not good enough for me. It's better. But it's not good enough for me. But, uh, boy, it was an exciting game. Denver wins it. How about from a rooting factor, Big Doug, were you – did you get caught up in the T-Bowl thing? Were you rooting for the tradition of the Pittsburgh Steelers? I, I, I'm i in pools, Coach, all the time, and I really needed Denver to lose. Ah, sorry, sorry about that. Yeah, and it was not good. If, if uh, Pittsburgh would have won, I would have won a 100 bucks. Instead, I lost 10 bucks. Ouch. So, I had every other game right this weekend. And it's, it's uh, but I had that game wrong. I had, I mean, I, I had, we have to predict scores and stuff like that. My buddy started laughing. He's like 45-28, he just, and he just put LOL. Can't believe I got it right. <laughs> I predicted, I predicted Pittsburgh to beat Denver though. Just to let you know, my scores I predicted this week were really, really close in all the games, except I had Pittsburgh beating Denver 23 to nothing. That was the score I wrote down for the mm-hmm. guy. So it could have but, been yeah, a highly, off. highly enjoyable and successful weekend if the Cedars could have eked out victory. Oh, my goodness, it would have been phenomenal for me. I wouldn't have left the house. Ouch. All right, so you are not exactly caught in Tebow mania just yet. No, I, I've caught it. The kid's freaking incredible. I just really thought that the Pittsburgh Steelers were going to shut them down. I thought they were just a perfect matchup for the for uh, Denver. And then I realized something. You know, why does – the ball that Denarius Thomas threw, I mean, that Denarius Thomas caught was right at the center of the field where the free safety would normally be, right? So, mm-hmm. Well, Ryan Clark wasn't playing because of the sickle cell strike. It's like everything that works out, maybe God really is, maybe she really is doing something to help Tim Tebow win football games at this point. <laughs> well, uh, of all the games, Denver gets 
the game where Ike Taylor, I mean, excuse me, Ike Taylor, excuse me, when, uh, when Ryan Clark can't play, a little suspicious, Coach. I think she's doing something up there to make sure Tim Tebow wins. All right, well, let, let the New England Patriots and the New England fans worry about that because that's coming up next weekend. By the way, just to plan ahead, Big Dog, if you have any social engagements coming up, another Korean barbecue on Friday night would be a good call because Saturday New Orleans takes on San Francisco as your tip-off game. Denver, the Bronco, the upset team, the surprise team, the Cinderella team taking on the... Big bad boys from New England, Tom Brady and the Patriots. Sunday, the Houston Texans against the Baltimore Ravens. Good chance to sleep in. And then the Giants against Green Bay. So another full slate of games next weekend. We'll have a beat the schmoes in football Friday, of course. Yeah, yeah, three incredible games. And the only way the, the Baltimore-Texas game is great is if Baltimore lays an egg and doesn't play against a, a team that's better than which they've done a few times this year. Yes, they have. More than a few so, times. But, the three games, oh, my goodness, all three of them look good next week. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were talking about the, the Packers should be afraid of the Giants. Not afraid, but they better respect them if, they, if, they, if they're going to win. <laughs> you know, two months ago, we were talking about, is anybody even going to come close to the Packers? They're going to cruise to the Super Bowl. Think about after they beat the Giants, they're going to have to play the winner of New Orleans, San Francisco. Uh, so Green Bay's road uh, to Indianapolis is nowhere near as automatic as yeah. as every everyone, not just us, coach. Everyone thought it was too much. Yeah, it is. But having said that, if they are able to win and win convincingly, at least a few of those games and win the Super Bowl, similar to your uh, LSU thoughts in the national championship game in this season, if they're able to do that, I think you've got to look at this year's Green Bay Packer team and the team picture is one of the best single seasons a ball club has ever had. Yeah, especially you talk about a reigning Super Bowl champ. Yep. Who then comes out and plays a season like they've had so far, and if they finish it off. And, Coach, I really, obviously the big victories in the postseason would help. But I, if they end up playing, this Giants team is pretty good, and a, a Saints or a 49er team would be pretty good in the NFC Championship game. That Two victories versus those teams with as dominant as they've been in the regular season, that's all that matters. They just need to win. And, advance. and whoever they play in the, in the Super Bowl, they will destroy right now. Doesn't it look like that? Like the best yeah. three teams in football, to me personally, are the the 49ers, the, the Saints, and the Packers right yeah, now. Yeah, that's the way it's looked. But you know whoever comes out of the AFC, if nothing else, will have a whole lot of momentum. So I don't I don't know that it'll be a blow. That's too far to look ahead. We'll analyze that oh, one I, when I it agree. comes. I know. I totally, I totally and completely agree. I meant in the, the terms of perception. Yes. Only in perception. Because I... I'm talking like just like I said two months ago, the Packers were unbeatable, and now we're like, wow, they have a they're going to have a tough game against a team that was nine and seven this mm-hmm. season, and, you know. So, and as a great man once said, perception is two tenths of the law. Huh? Uh, who is that guy? I'm not, not quite sure, but he appeared okay. to be very, very confused. By the way, just as a sidelight, uh, you know, the first game should be a great one: the Saints and Drew Brees against San Francisco, but. I was kind of rooting for Detroit to win that game because that would have been interesting watching Jim Schwartz and Detroit come up against Harbo in a rematch of the handshake uh, game. And and Harbo was trash-talking during the week, Big Dog, where he was saying, I'm not worried about it. Most of our scouting reports are getting ready for New Orleans. So he was doing a little bit of trash-talking on the Lions during the week. If Detroit would have won, it would have made for a very spicy Lead up to that particular game would have been fun to watch. I had no idea that was going on, and I wish I would have seen some of that trash talking. That's yeah. hilarious, Coach. Yeah, I'm not too worried about it. Most of our scouting, we're getting ready for the Saints. Jim Harbaugh, <laughs> who's not exactly Mr. Politically Correct as a head coach. 
<laughs> at any rate, we don't we don't have to worry about that because the uh, Detroit Lions went down. Hey, quickly before we end the show, some news and note titillating tidbits, big dog. Just to mention, coming up this weekend, the Chicago Cub Convention. <laughs> that this week, coach. That's this weekend. Tickets still available. Good seats still available. Oh, uh, and there will be continue to be good seats still available. Yeah. And I will not. By the be way, the uh, no, no some of the sessions are sold out, but we here at the station we do have tickets for the Crane Kenny Finances and Sports session one o'clock on Saturday. Um, I, I would love to use those, coach. Yep. So I can actually go there because it's about time somebody teaches the kid, the man, something about that. Yes. Actually, I'm just joking around. I was uh, yep. talking to uh, somebody that has done business with him, and they were said the guy was nothing but first class, 100%, completely honest, mm-hmm. and thoroughly respectful of everyone in the situation. And after hearing that, I was like, seriously, they're like, yeah, the guy doesn't make the baseball decisions, but as a business thing, and this is the guy working, this is the owner of a business working with Crane Kenny. So I was pretty, I was pretty happy to hear that. All right, solid. Uh, Chicago Bulls, our NBA basketball team, playing very, very well this year. It's going to happen to a lot of teams this year. Laid a complete egg against the Atlanta Hawks, and uh, their five-game winning streak comes to an end. The Hawks absolutely crushing the Bulls. Back in action tonight against the Pistons. NBA basketball right there for you, Big Doug. Um, I just am so happy that the, they're playing the, the Bulls are playing the Pistons during the national title game, so I don't have to miss an NBA game. Uh, so I, so By the way, my, my, I have a kind of a little pick-to-click favorite team I'm kind of following in the NBA this year outside the Bulls. Let me ask you this. Who was the surprise outsider right now? He was a, considered a pretty good player last two, three years, getting better and better. But right now he's having a monster year, maybe. Your NBA MVP is at this point. Can you think who I'm thinking of? Uh, it's got to be the most watched team on uh, nope. the NBA Network, uh, what is, I forget what they call the Fast Break Channel, but it's got to be the Minnesota Timberwolves. Oh, right nice. Nicely Coach, done, Big Dog. Coach, if they're losing and you watch them and you see Ricky Rubio hand out 14 assists, it's unreal. That's, that's my they're team. They're by 10 points and you're just like, wow, this team is awesome. And Kevin Love has been, so far, and it's early, but he's been the best player in the NBA so far. I would have to agree with you, yes. And Kevin Love is going to be in Minnesota forever and he would look awfully good. Yes. Uh, catching passes from uh, from Derrick Rose. And he came out of college after his second year? Yep. So he's only, yep. what, like 23 years old? Right? Uh, well, that, sounds, that sounds about right. He's been in the Jake. NBA for four years, so the guy's very good. And Ricky Rubio, finally in the NBA, the uh, superstar from Spain. He had a little bit of growing pain, still makes some mistakes, big dog. But along with those mistakes, he makes some pretty fun plays, kind of a uh, European version of Pistol Pete Maravich, if you will. There, there's no question the guy is an NBA point guard. Yep. Dude, I mean, like, well, obviously he's played, what, 20 games so far, maybe less. But, yeah, he's – we had a wonder. Everybody talked about how great he was going to be, and he never played. All of a sudden we're seeing him. Yeah, this guy could end up being a great – he can be an all-NBA play, player at point guard. Real quick, while the while I was watching the tape of the Denver-Pittsburgh game, six teenagers in my basement, take it easy, they were all guys, six teenagers watching the Detroit Red Wings with a couple of Pizza Hut pizzas taken on the Chicago Blackhawks. That's still a great rivalry, Big Dog. The Hawks score two goals in the first four minutes. Looks like it's going to be a blowout. They stopped right there. Red Wings win it in OT, 3-2. to two. We don't talk hockey much, but Red Wing and Hawk, still pretty good stuff. Uh, 
absolutely excellent coaches. There was football on yesterday. I had entertainment over. I was not watching hockey. I'm yeah. totally ashamed of myself. And just to make sure, you did not have six teenagers in your basement, correct? No, I had one right. 27-year-old in my basement. Because right. there are uh, some of your uh, old, um, what's the word I'm looking for, your uh, background check people. What, help me out here. Some of your I old can't, I can't help you, poli- I, I you know, police officers up. that used to keep track. Yeah, I'm missing the word right now. Some of your old probation officers that might be listening to this show. I don't want them to get the wrong impression for you. Yeah, since you were making all that up, I wasn't sure where you were going with it. Thank you very much. All right, dog, we'll talk tomorrow in uh, LSU and Alabama. Give me 20 more seconds to get me excited. Um, for the for the sake of the, the dignity of LSU, I want them to win. But for the sake of hopefully one day getting the playoff, I want chaos and I want Alabama to win, Coach. But your prediction is your 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 prediction is LSU, correct? My prediction is uh, LSU, and and, 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 and they're going to take the over people. Take the over, bet the over. That is a lock, okay? It's like 35, Coach. It's ridiculous. Okay. There's going to be a lot of points scored in this game. My only wish is well, two things. Be a great game, and B, please, please do not have it ended by a field goal kicker. Thank you. And if it is, they will miss. Just let, don't trust any of the field goal kickers on either team. Okay. There's a reason why Miles, uh, left Miles goes for it on fourth down all the time. All right. Dog, get some rest. We'll talk to you tomorrow for your analysis of the national championship game. Peace out, everybody. Great doing it. Have a great day, everybody. Two guys at a mic. TalkZone.com. Signing off. See you tomorrow at 10. Don't be late.